The Gulf Coast Growth Show is sponsored by Chevron Pasadena Refinery and is an extension of the Economic Alliance Houston Port Region, where our mission is to market and grow a vibrant regional economy. Hey guys, welcome back to the Gulf Coast Growth Show. I'm your host, Jason Lee, and I'm joined by my co-host, Zeke Smith. What's up, Jason? Zeke, glad to have you today. Yes, and we sir. are joined by Chad, Chad Callen from Vecta Environmental Services, LLC, the CEO. Yep. Chad, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Good it is Chad. a pleasure having pleasure. you on. Uh, Chad, I reached out to you personally because I've become a big fan of yours and, and, your, and the content you're putting on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's especially important for the CEO and leaders of organizations to go out there and, and really talk about their people and the things that they care about. Yep. And, uh, and we were talking a little bit before the show, and that's really what today's show is about, really kind of the growth of your company, but then how that growth has had a lot to do with people and mentoring right. and coaching and developing those folks. And so I, I can't think of a, a, a guy who, I mean, when you think about it, going from 10 employees a decade ago to 500 now, um, that's a pretty good story. And so that's the kind of, probably the kind of guy you want to have on here talking about leadership. So thanks for joining us. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. So um, as we dive in um, for our audience, you know, I, I know a little bit about your story, yeah. but tell everybody else a little bit about, you know, your personal story and then a little okay. bit about Vectus. Yeah. So I joined Vecta in 2013. You know, my background is I've been in the environmental field since college. You know, we kind of came out of the uh, came out of college with a degree in chemistry and biology started cleaning up Superfund sites and, and kind of went from there into emergency response, environmental remediation and all those things. Um, partnered up with Kenny uh, at a previous company. Kenny Rouse is the founder of Vecta. Okay. Um, Kenny and I worked together for several years at another, another company. I left in 2009. Um, Kenny left in 2010, shortly after. Uh, and he was approached by a customer who uh, liked the work he did, valued you know his attention to quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and asked Kenny if he would clean his tanks. Um, he said, well, you know, I'd love to do your work, um, but let me check with my, you know, the company he was working for. And the customer said, well, the bad news is I can't pay you, you know? <laughs> um, so Kenny ran it by his, his, his employer and they had no interest, um, but said, you know, so Kenny went back and said, no, I can't do it. So what about you? And Kenny's like, man, I can do it, you know? So just on his nights and weekends, he went out there and cleaned the tanks and, um, Six months later, they cut him a check and Vecta started. So, you know, he started it, kind of bootstrapped it from there. Jeez um, Louise. Yeah. I joined him shortly after. Um, and now we have, you know, like you said, 500 employees kind of stretched across the Gulf Coast. Right. Yeah. You said from New Mexico down to Florida. In New Mexico down to Florida, up, wow. to, up to Alabama. So, it's still growing. So, Unbelievable. So, talk to yeah. us a little bit about Vecta, what you guys do, uh, yeah. you know, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. I kind of like to say we're the... Uh, we're like preventative maintenance for the global supply chain, right? Okay. Um, our customers are oil refineries, chemical plants, manufacturing, utility companies, um, and we work on their equipment to make sure that they're operating uh, at high efficiency. Right? Okay. If, they're, if their heat exchangers are fouling up, we go in and clean them. If their tanks need cleaning, we go clean them. Um, for power companies, we dig holes to put power poles in. So okay. um, our services help the, the companies that you've heard of. The big Fortune 500 companies uh, operate effectively and efficient. Okay, nice. Um, and uh, and and you got like obviously as the CEO of the business, uh, I mean, you kind of grown and watched it grow. Yeah. I mean, kind of tell us a little bit about the story of that because I think that's that's a massive expansion over yeah. the course of ten years. So I mean, I, I want to dig in a little there. Like, 
how do you go from managing 10 people to 500? Like yeah. walk me through that um, experience. You know, initially it was, you know, because Kenny and I came up in the industry, we had good connections in the industry, right? Okay. So we would, we hired the people that we knew and respected um, and tried to surround ourselves with the best in the business. Um, so it was easy, you know, to go from, from 10 to 50, you know, we were, it was, it wasn't hard to, to do that without going outside of our network. Right. Um, and then, you know, we continued to, when we moved to Houston in 2015, we did the same thing. We didn't have the connections that we had over in Louisiana, um, but we had a few and we reached out to the people that we thought were the best in the business. Um, and that we've continued to do that, uh, you know, by hiring experts in their field, mm -hmm. you know, we're able to kind of expand on what we do. We, we pride ourselves as being kind of a high quality provider. They're, they're you know, it's a, it's a big industry. Um, and, you know, to differentiate ourselves, we really focused on quality. And to do that, we had to hire the best people um, and, you know, and nurture them and help them grow. You know, I like to say that what we do is we take someone who might have hit a ceiling at another company and we bring them in and give them another ceiling. There you go. So you're a ceiling creator. We think so. There you yeah. go. Like opener of doors and raiser of ceilings. There you go. Yeah. So Zeke has a passion for people. Yeah, I love that. Well, yeah. I want to first say a lot of folks when starting a business think you got to have a a website and a business plan and a product those right. things what you have to have is a paying customer oh for sure right yeah. that's why i love that story that hey yeah. you didn't have a plan or a, a website or a linkedin Nothing. page you had a, somebody who wanted to pay him and pay him later yep for some services and so that, that's how you start a business so i think if, if you take nothing else away from today it's like hey you're looking thinking about starting a business go find a customer or three right who wants to pay right. you for something that you can do for them and let's go and work, get, the rest will work started, itself out yeah, right? it'll yeah. work itself out so um, Jason mentioned that, you know, the, the, the growth over the 10 years, you, you attributed that to the people, your network, right? Mm -hmm. So you're with some good people. So tell us about what your, I guess, let's talk about culture, right? Because yeah. sometimes in, in rapid growth and maybe 10 years is rapid to some and not to others, but in sometimes rapid growth can change a culture it, yep. positively or negatively. So what have you guys stood behind? What's your kind of values and culture that, that have led you for you know the last 10 years this growth and keeping the people that you want yeah so the the two things that we really pride ourselves on are, are kind of what we were founded on is really employee safety and customer uh satisfaction right so you know from kenny founding it with that one customer um he built a relationship with that customer and that's kind of the model we use moving forward right we want to we, we really want to have a relationship with our customer. We're not just a provider. We're a partner in their work, right? Except for not paying you for six months. Probably, and, yeah, you, and look, we still have customers who, <laughs> who want to pay us in six months. We won't name them uh, here, but yeah. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, what? I think it helps that I'm in Houston, Kenny's in Louisiana, in, in Gonzales, Louisiana, which is outside of Baton Rouge. Yeah. Our VP of operations is in Lake Charles. So we kind of have a, our leadership team is spread out. Nice. So we're, we're actively involved in all areas of the operation. So if there's something going on in Houston, we're not too far removed for it, you know. Um, and it, it helps that, we, you know, because we hired kind of people in our network and close to our network, we know what they're about when they come on board. They know what we're about. So the, the adjustment, there's not a whole lot of adjustment as far as culture. Um, we're, you know, we're hiring people that we can, we can work with. Um, and because our frontline leadership, the guys out in the field every day, kind of came up in that, then the new hires they just they they blend right into that. You know, um, the 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 values that we kind of started the organization with, um, they carry on through our frontline leadership. Sure. So anybody who comes into the organization and starts first day on the job site, they're going to get you know 
employee safety, customer satisfaction, integrity, those values from nice. the very start. What's your mix of, of kind of leadership, non-craft, to, or to, to guys in the field? What's your mix of the 500? I mean, the, the vast majority, you know, 400 plus are, are people who work on our customers' job sites every day. Okay. You know, we run pretty lean up top. Um, you know, all of our all of our revenue is generated in, on a customer's job site. So, uh, you know, probably 425, if I had to guess, ballpark. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then how do you... Uh, one thing that's always amazed me is when you talk about culture and, and integrity and the things that you guys do, how do you get out into the field to, to, you know, to be able to validate what it is that you guys are doing? I mean, as a CEO and, and how do you measure that effectiveness? Cause I, I would think, you know, I, I ran uh, for at one point in time, my, my career, I ran probably several hundred employees, but I was able to, I mean, my job consisted of, it was in retail. So I was in those boxes right. every day, you know, and observing and seeing what was taking place with my team. Yeah. I can imagine across New Mexico down in Florida, it's right. probably hard to do. Yeah, it is. So how do you get a pulse for, and how, and then also how do you communicate the pulse to them to keep them engaged so they, they remember how great Vecta is when they're just, you know, in the trenches sweating it out and, and doing it on a job site day in and day out? How yeah. do you plug into those guys? Yeah, like you said, it, it, it's impossible to get to every job site. Right. We have, every day we probably have, you know, 100 jobs going on, it's possible, my right? Um, so, what we do is we have, you know, we have regular meetings with our division managers, you know, executive team and division managers are, are talking constantly. Um, and then, you know, we get out, we try to make it every quarter to each of our offices. Okay. Right? So can't do it every month. We have 10 offices now. So if I can get to each quarter, you know, each office every quarter, um, meet with the employees, we still, you know, we, as often as possible, we try to do social events with our employees so they know. Okay. Um, so we can interact with them because it's just when you get to a certain size, unfortunately, I don't know every employee's first name. I don't recognize them, but, you know. Right. Um, right. But we still want to get out and let them know that that we're present. We're active in the business. We, we want to know what they're doing, how they're doing. More importantly, we want to know about their families, their hobbies, those type things. So, OK. Great. Um, but we judge the business basically by customer retention. You know, if the, you know, I, I talked about employee safety. So our employee are our. OSHA record, you know, our OSHA numbers are important to us. Our number of incidents and accidents are important to us. So we, we track those to make sure our employees are operating safely. And then our customer retention. And if we can keep our customers, which we, we have a really good record of doing, um, that means we're, 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 ser we're serving them and, and solving their problems for them. So if we can keep our, you know, our, our OSHA numbers to a minimum and our customer retention, you know, as high as possible, we're, we're doing the two things we want to do. So that's your, that's, those are the big rocks in your scorecard. That's it. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. So um, you talked a lot about your leadership team um, and then really pouring into that group. That's where you have the most direct impact. Talk to me about me what mentoring and leadership development looks like in your organization. Yep. So, you know, we, we have a, a strong mentor relationship with our frontline supervisors. Uh, like I said, we you know, we've, we've most of our supervisors in the field have, you know, eight to 15 years of experience. So when a new hire comes in, you know, they're, they're, they're weeks in training before they make it to a job site. Wow. But yeah. when they get to a job site, you know, they're paired up with a, a supervisor who's been in the field, who mentors them, you know, walks them through the process. And they sit, they work with that person for months until they're really kind of able to be on their own because we really want to, one, make sure that the, they understand the importance of safety on the job site. Right. The work we do is dangerous. It's just no way around it. We can make it as safe as possible and their inherent danger. So sure. Um, so 
mentorship on the job site is is key. But we also have, you know, mentorship. I mentor a lot of our operations managers, some of our division managers and account managers just on a personal level. Nice. Um, because I think it's important. I think, you know, the more mentors you can have, the more coaches you can have, the more people you have holding you up, you know, the, the, the more likely it is you're going to be successful. Yeah. More feedback, right? More feedback yep. you can get, more For dialogue. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Love it. So let's talk about Vecta. Yep. Big news. You got anything coming up? Big announcements? So well, other uh, than the success you've already yeah. uh, talked about? Yeah. Uh, you know, we are still continuing to grow. We opened two new offices last year. We opened an office in Beaumont. We opened one in Decatur, Alabama. Um, we've got at least one more coming this year, possibly two. Um, and we're going to continue to add service lines to what we do. You know, customers, um, you know, they like what we do. They like the service we provide. And they're always asking us to do more. A lot of times, you know, that means we can either mark it up. You know, we could take a, a subcontractor and add additional cost on it, which we don't prefer to do. We'd rather hook our customer up with someone who can help them directly. Um, but, you know, when opportunity presents itself, we'll start taking on that service line. If we can find, like I talked about, if we can find the right person, an expert in that service line, we'll take them on. So we've got a few more of those coming this year, too. Wow. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Big news. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll be curious to see what the next 10 years hold. Right? It's, uh, yeah. it's going to be fun. The last yeah. 10 have been fun. The next two, the next 10 should be fun, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'll be, uh, I will have to go back 10 years from now, have another episode. There you go. And hopefully yeah, check right. this one out and see, yeah. see what happens. Maybe you're at a thousand plus. Well, yeah. My guess is it's going to be faster than 10 years. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, yeah, I think the, I think the progression's so, yeah. there. So um, let, let's talk a little bit now. One of the things that really intrigued me when we first talked on the phone over a year ago um, was your heart and your passion yeah. um, for people. And, and it's, it, and it's not just the people that work for you, but really it's, it's touching up with, with others and actually making a difference in yeah. the areas that you serve in. Um, I know you're involved. Uh, I think racism is in, like our and or addressing the issue yes. in and of itself. And, right. And I think you had a pretty cool story that kind of like about your time in the field and, and kind of how that became so important to you. But I know you're involved with the Center for Healing and Racism. Yep. Tell us why that took like why that seemed to resonate with you in such a major way. So, you know, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, and, you know, it's a Navy town, real diverse. Um, so, you know, in our house was a, the house that all the kids came to, right? Um, so at any given day in my household, it looked like, you know, there's kids from all walks of life, all, you know, all races, all cultures. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always been something that's been instilled in me. It's, you know, my parents instilled in me the value and the, the beauty in every person and common humanity, right? Um, so when I got to Houston, I was introduced to the center of healing of racism, which is, you know, does a lot of education around, you know, the struggles of racism, the, the challenge of racism and the, and what it presents in our society. Um, so I had kind of my nonprofit work there and I had my business work here. Um, but one day I was walking through a trade show and I just kind of, it hit me that, you know, my employee base is probably 60 to 75% people of color, right? Right. Um, and our, my competitors are similarly structured. Right. Um, but I was walking through a trade show and I noticed that everyone on the floor looked like me. Right. So I thought, you know, where's the door that keeps everyone else out? Right. So, and then what can I do to open those doors? Nice. Um, so when I talk about, you know, opening doors and raising ceilings, that that's kind of one of the things I, I think of is, uh, you know, it's, it's an important part of leadership. I love it. Uh, I think that needs to be the title of your book, Opening Doors and Raising yeah. Ceilings. Yeah, there you go. 
one of these days. Yep, absolutely. You can uh, give me a little proceeds from it. Yeah, just, you're going to just get, at least an acknowledgement yeah, in the back of the book. At least in the back, right? Yeah. Thanks for the name, Jason. <laughs> um, what about the Second Story Project? What's that about? So the Second Story Project is uh, an organization I founded, I co-founded with a uh, with a friend of mine here in Houston. Um, he's a he's a therapist in Houston, and during kind of the the riots after the murder of George Floyd. I reached out to Ernest and I said, hey, I'd like you to help me put together a workshop uh, that we can present at the center to kind of move people into action. Mm. Um, what we found, you know, because, you know, what we were noticing is people were just kind of entrenched in their own views and kind of shouting at each other across the aisle. Like, what can we do to, to, to move beyond that, to get people to start talking to each other? Um, so Ernest said, you know, let's do something bigger. So we co-founded a nonprofit called Second Story Project. And what we really try to focus on is um, you, you can have your story and your your story is valid. It's, it's based on your life's history and your views and it's valid, right? Mm -hmm. And I can have mine based on mine and mine is valid. So how can we, from that difference, how can we co-create space that we can create a second story together? So we work with organizations to try to create cultures of belonging and inclusion. Um, out, it's not a typical DEI program. It's much more... Um, about communication, listening, and organizational development. Love it. Yeah, man, that's 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 amazing. Um, all right, so as we, I guess, you know, tail into this thing, a home stretch. Yep. Um, obviously, uh, you know, at least from the outside, I'd see, I think you consider yourself a successful professional. Give our audience some of the some tips of things that you think have gotten you here. Some some things that you know just are your pillars in your life, and whether professional or personal, yep. that have helped get you where you want to be and maybe it's things that helped have helped you in the company as well and get the company where you want it to be right um you know one thing for sure I, I talked about already is really surround yourself with with the best people right and it's whether it's in your personal life or your professional life um i think that, what is it saying if you find yourself the smartest person in the room you're probably in the wrong room yeah yeah um so you know that's that's a key to me i you know i, I surround myself with people who share my values um people who you know I can trust who trust me and, and people that, you know, lift me up. Right. Um, so that's, that's a big one for me. Um, if for, as far as leadership, you know, to, to kind of get out of the way and figure out what the other person needs, I think is a, is a, is a role of leadership. Um, I grew up with, a, you know, a, a models of leadership that weren't that it was like, a, you know, leaders were, I'm going to tell you what to do and you do that. And um, that's not my view of leadership. My view of leadership is, you know, how can I serve this person? How can I help them grow? Um, and I, what I found is when you're doing that for others, they're a lot more likely to help you, right? And that, mm -hmm. that helps you. And in, 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 again, personal life and professional life. Um, and then really, you know, be true to your values. Know what you stand for. Um, don't compromise them. You know, there, there, will, be, there will always be pressure to bend um, to your values. But if you're strong in your values, um, might not get everything you want, uh, but things will work out. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Are there any, uh, f philosophies that you, you live by from like you know, any particular leadership authors or people that you really kind of embrace a lot of their, uh, their teachings and then apply? I mean, uh, a lot of it, you know, kind of my basic philosophy is a lot of kind of stoic philosophy. It's, it's focus on the things that are inside your realm of control, okay. you know, things that are outside your realm of control. Don't pay a lot of attention to, um, you know, if you're doing those things, I think one of my favorite books is a book uh, called Reboot 
Um, it's Reboot, The Art of Leadership and grow, or Growing Up in Leadership, something like that. But it's okay. by Jerry Colonna. Okay. And what the question he asked, one of the questions he asked in the book is, how, have, how am I complicit in creating the conditions I claim to not like, right? So really, what is my role? Right. Um, and I think if, you know, if, if I'm constantly evaluating my role in the situation, especially if it's something I don't like, it doesn't mean I'm at fault. It doesn't mean I'm responsible for everything that's going on. But how have I contributed to it? It allows me to best navigate my way out of it. Right. Nice. Um, so that's so being kind of, self-aware. Right. Being right. self-aware yeah. and then, again, taking ownership of, of my situation and my solutions. There's another one that I was going to, and you, you sparked a memory called Leadership is Overrated by a retired Navy SEAL. It talks about how to lead self-led teams. Yep. So that you're not, you don't have to be a top-down leader. Right, right. You talked about observing that. Certainly in the military community, you see a lot of that. Oh, yeah. And he said, hey, in the, in the SEALs, yeah, sure, we have a chain of command, but we, we are taught to have a self-led team, right? Because you may be by yourself. It's not a top-down. So what can you do as a leader to create that environment to have a self-led right. team where you don't have to say go to this and go to that. And right. so knowing your role as a servant leader, I thought that was awesome. I want to give you a second to, to give some gratitude here in a moment, but I do want to acknowledge you and what you've been able to achieve on LinkedIn. Um, you know, uh, I, I can always look for authenticity on the type of people that are out there and creating things. And I know that you expanded your reach, uh, gotten over 10,000 followers. But um, one of the things that I think is really critical when I'm looking at people, like who do I want to follow and check out and reserve is that type of person who's, got value added content. So I would tell those that are on the show, if you're, if you're wanting to find somebody who you can, you know, like I was actually speaking to a mentor of mine this morning uh, about the, all the different truths that are out there that you can stumble into. And all of a sudden you're following the wrong person with the wrong truths or the wrong principles. Uh, and, and, but this is a guy who, uh, who's actually lived it, breathed it and is in it. Uh, and so there's a lot of integrity in that when, when I hear you teaching, cause I, I've, just judging by our previous conversation, yeah. I said, okay, this guy's actually worth listening to because he's probably done it, right? Because yeah. uh, to this day and age, there's a lot of people that you can tune into that they maybe haven't even done it right. or, and or right. have done very little of it, but they just figured out a way to package it and say it with confidence, and all of a sudden now they're out there teaching it. Right. right. But uh, so I would I would do want to thank you for being the guy that's uh, actually bringing leadership content to the marketplace, but is also, you know, Anytime you attach a CEO of 500 people to that, um, I, I forgot, I'm drawing a blank on his name, the gentleman that was your CEO from Apache. Stephen Hillier. Stephen, yeah. He's not out producing content, but that's a guy that you spend time with and you immediately go, this guy is like the real deal. Like mm -hmm. he came from it, from the industry. He's been in the trenches and now he's running thousands of people. Mm -hmm. You're running hundreds of people, but you're a trench guy who, who grew up doing it, which you can tell is evident, right? right? So yeah, I appreciate you, it. That's a, that's a big deal. Um, and so with that, man, is there anybody you want to recognize anything you want to recognize before we help out the show? Um, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, the, the our employees, all 500 of them, um, it wasn't, you know, Kenny was out there to start and he and I did a lot of work at the beginning, but it's our employees out there now who, who are responsible for our growth, really. Right. Um, so every one of our employees, you know, I'm grateful to them, grateful to Kenny for trusting me in this position. You know, he reached out after he started the company and and wanted to bring me on board and um, it's changed my life. Uh, um, he's, he was a dear friend before we, you know, before we worked together and, and I'm just grateful for Kenny. Um, obviously my wife and, and, you know, my wife is my, my biggest fan. So yeah. um, always grateful for, for her and everything that, that she brings to, to our family. And, um, and, you know, uh, grateful to y'all for having me on. Yeah, it's just been a joy. Glad to have you, Chad.
Um, and with that, uh, you know, again, Vecta Environmental Services and Chad Callen, uh, the CEO. And again, you can connect with him on LinkedIn. Um, so again, we want to thank you guys for tuning in today. Uh, we will continue to try to bring you great content and do our very best to put our best foot forward. And if you have guests, uh, guys like Chad or people that you know we should talk to and bring on the show that have a great story to tell uh, related to what it is that we do, uh, we'd love to be you know hear from you. So you can connect on the two of us on LinkedIn. Uh, and as always, our mission is to make sure that we get stories like this told and talk about the great things that are happening in this region. So. You can tune in to us and stay connected. If this is your first time stumbling across the show and maybe you've heard it for the first time, you can subscribe. You can go to HoustonPortRegion.com. They, they have a media tab there and you can just plug in and it'll come out on all of the favorite channels that you listen to uh, and you'll be plugged into that. And I would also encourage you to go into the events page down there and get plugged into all the great things that are happening here at the Economic Alliance. So stay tuned and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to go to the Economic Alliance Houston Port Region website and subscribe to our channels. And let's pay it forward by sharing the good news of what's happening in our region by passing this episode to somebody you know.